When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Slightly favours the right footer here, but Griffiths, having got the goal, goes again. Welcome to the final Hamden Road podcast for at least a month, maybe two. Scotland have ended the Nations League June internationals on a positive note. A pretty resounding, in the end anyway, 4-1 win away to Armenia. Stuart Armstrong with a double, John McGinn and Shea Adams helping us come from behind to get the all-important three points. So it's all to play for in our group with Ukraine and Republic of Ireland drawing 1-1 after our game last night. So we're going to discuss the Armenia game, and have a look at where we stand in the group and going forward into the September international break. So I'm Andy Barge, and joining me is Alan Risk again from the Air Force One Twitter page, and Rory Hamilton, who is the new voice of the Scottish national team. Rory's been on before with me to do a look back at his Scotland supporting days from a young boy growing up and eventually working in football, but it's good to have him on as... A pundit, Rory, that must feel a bit weird. Pundit Rory Hamilton. <laughs> does sound a bit weird. Good to be back, Will. Thank you. Yeah. Well, no problem. Well, we'll come to you first, Alan. That was important last night. We discussed, I uh, can't remember who was on the podcast the previous week um, or after the Ireland one. Do we just need to get the win against Armenia or do we need to get the win and play well? Now, I think after the red card, it was the latter, but for a while it was looking a bit harem scarum. Yeah, I think um, after the Ireland game, there was no doubt we needed to win. That was first and foremost, but we needed a performance. And I think, <laughs> I mean, I, I only speak for myself here, but it's probably the only time I've came away from 4-1 feeling slightly underwhelmed. Um, it was, we got the goals, Um we got goal scorers who had missed a few chances this window back on target again. Um, and, I mean, in terms of the way we responded, I, th- I think if you watch the first 40 minutes and the way we played, even even when we got back to 1-1 and before the red card, uh, we just needed to grind out the result. That, that was going to be a hard graft. I mean, obviously there's the talk of um, the long flight across there. Um, we lost a couple of key players, Robertson, I mean, that back line without Robertson um, looked again, it comes so shaky, um, which will be another talking point later. But I think the most important thing is, as everyone's been putting across on Twitter, is we're, we're in with a chance, it's in our own hands uh, come September, and we've got to count ourselves lucky that we've got the goal difference back um, and we go into September, hopefully fit, fresh, and, and, and back to our old best. Well, how are you reflecting? On it, Rory, are you seeing it as wholly positive or 
job done with a few question marks? Yeah, um, I think I think the latter. There's certainly question marks after that game, but to be honest, they had to get the three points. They did that going away from home, and as you say, it's a it's a long, long way. Different conditions, even though they didn't quite need to play in the in the heat that maybe the Irish faced the week before. So, I think when the players arrived at the ground in Yerevan, it was it was absolutely chucking it down, which was not what anyone was expecting, or you know touting the the week before we were talking about, oh, they'll be out in the searing heat and all that sort of thing. And it, they didn't get that, which helped. Um, and the game itself, I was con- I was definitely concerned the way that it looked to be heading before the red card. And then and then you sort of hit them with that, that double blow. And I think after that, Armenia kind of showed that they do have a weakness in terms of their discipline. We saw it to the, towards the end at Hamden as well, when they, they picked up a few extra, just needless yellow cards. They were obviously getting a little bit riled by things not going their way. And, and you could kind of see what could maybe be coming in the, in the second half. But, you know, it's up to Scotland. They got the goals at, at really good times. Um, you know, the first one, Armstrong, pretty soon after going behind, they needed a quick response. They got it. And then straight after the red card before half-time, not allowing Armenia to settle in. So, yeah, look, it's three points. It gets us right back in track. We've only played one home game. So we've got the, the two the two other sides that you would say are in contention at this stage. Uh, Republic of Ireland and, and Ukraine. We've got them at home and we've got them in the next two games. So we really can we can put a marker down then. Yeah, there certainly was concern, Rory. It was good that Armstrong especially showed up because I think there was a few comments in the the Twitter mentions today saying that he is one of the ones that's maybe come out of this June break with more credit to his name than than just about every other outfield player in the squad, maybe bar Anthony Ralston after he did well and scored his first goal in his first start. But Armstrong is now probably challenging Christy Allen for a place in the starting 11. I know that it's never fully solidified, but if you were to pick Steve Clark's most likely attacking three, you would probably say it would be Adams with McGinn and Christy behind him. I think that Christy and Armstrong, maybe now neck and neck. Um, he's certainly done himself no harm in that respect. I think he's... It's, what, I think what you're going to see some sections of people saying is that both of the game, like, uh, Armstrong, I, I, I completely agree with you. Armstrong did perform probably at a higher level than anyone else over this window. However, the two games he played the most minutes in, I think it was 90 both games, was the Armenia games, home and away. So I, ideally, we would have had him playing at his best against Ukraine um, or, or away to Ireland, but it just wasn't to be. Um, I think he's been managed well, because um, as I've talked about before, he, doesn't, he can't play every single 90 minutes. Um, but if Steve Clark can keep managing well uh, and he stays fit, uh, that partnership with Adams and that link-up play he's got there, um, it'll, it'll, it'll reap um, rewards for Scotland because that um, that turn was brilliant. And even when he, when he sent Adams through, um, that was someone who knows where his striker's going to go. And obviously I think it was the same, pretty much, not exact same goal, but it, much, much the same against Denmark at home um, where he knew where Adams was going to be and he sends him through. Um, and I think I think the only disappointing thing for Armstrong there is that Adams didn't pass it back for his hat trick. 
Yeah, he, he certainly wasn't in the mood for celebrating with Adams when he put it away, was he? <laughs> he kind of just stood a bit forlornly with his arms uh, by his side. Um, so maybe Armstrong's only chance for a Scotland hat-trick slips him by. But uh, yeah, I, I see what you're saying there about the, the partnership. Sometimes it's hard to translate that from club to international level. But Rory, if they are familiar with each other, does it make sense to play them on the park at the same time? Not to the same extent as when Gordon Strachan started to succeed by playing five, six, seven Celtic players in the team. That's a more obvious case. But in the final third, when Scotland often struggled to cut open the opposition, does it make more sense to have two players there that know each other pretty much inside out? Yeah, it can definitely help, you know, but it does need to come down to how their their club form is, if that's the case, you know, that you're if you're putting players in to form a partnership, they have to be doing it together at, at club level. And and I know that Adams had had a tough end to the season and hadn't really picked up the goals, but it was it was three goal scorers last night. If we if we take the two Southampton boys and in, in Armstrong and Adams, it was the goal scorers, I was really delighted for them personally because Armstrong, it, you know, it'd been a while without a Scotland goal. Um, and he's he's always been seen as a player. Well, I don't know. Maybe I'm just saying it from my own, own point of view, but I don't think he's always been at his best for Scotland when he started games. I think he's mainly impacted them off the bench. And I think he really he really staked a claim uh, over this international break to to be a starter and get that chance again. For Adams, I mean, he ran his socks off for for three games, and he a lot of the time for not a lot of change. He put in so so much effort. He chased everything, and he got very very few chances over the three games to to really get get that goal. And and he took it he took it well. Um, and McGinn's another one. He did get the chances over the three games. Um, you know the the big one against Ukraine, the two in Dublin uh, that he you know, he slipped one wide and one he didn't really get any power behind it. So I think as much as John McGinn's been brilliant for Scotland under Steve Clark with what is it now thirteen goals, that was that was actually a goal that he needed as well, and he and he took it well. Yeah, hundred percent. I'm with you on that, Rory, because I think it was clear to see that those misses were starting to play on McGinn's mind. I think that the two in Ireland, he seemed particularly down about them and the immediacy after them. Uh, the one in Ukraine was, he scores that eight or nine times out of 10, maybe even more. So it's it's unfortunate for him again, but as you've just said, 13 goals under Steve Clark is more than double that anyone else has scored under Steve Clark. So he's produced and produced for us. Unfortunately, this June break just wasn't his moment. But if, if he... If I was looking into this today, actually. If he continues scoring at the same rate for Scotland over the next three years, he'll be four off Dalglish and Law's record by the time he's 30. So that's quite an incredible thought, to be honest. And I remember when John McGinn scored his first goal against Russia um, in the 2-1 defeat at Hamden. In the build-up to that game, he was saying how much it bothered him that he hadn't scored yet for Scotland. And I think that was his 13th or 14th cap. So... His goals here are coming in a relatively short space of time or time frame when you condense it down, really. Um, so if, if he carries on at this rate with more international games now um, than there has been really before, then it's it's a mammoth task. But it would be, if he could even reach 20 goals for Scotland as an attacking midfielder, that, that would outshine the likes of McFadden, 
it would be more than Kenny Miller. It, it would be quite an astonishing achievement if he can do that, Alan. Yeah, I think it's... Um, you watch these finish and you're thinking, why don't we just leave him up front? <laughs> Especially um, like how composed it was. I mean, was it not one touch to knock it down, spin, put it in the corner? Um, yeah. It was fantastic. And I mean, just the quality of some of these goals are just... They're, they're top drawer. He's a top drawer player. Um, I think for, for him again... We've been very lucky, and he's a player, obviously, who's benefited massively under the Clark system, uh, playing him advanced, because I guess he's another player who would be very easy to set him in his deeper role like he does at, at Villa. Um, I can't remember which game it was, actually, so I'm sure he started deeper for, for us one, one of these Armenia games. Armenia at fixtures. home. Armenia at home, yeah, so he started a bit deeper. Um, so I think for him to get a goal, because, um, I mean, there was a, I mean. There's quite a few of us who were saying McGinn's been off the boil for a few months now. He's actually a player who's maybe suffering a bit of a confidence lapse. Someone who's just back, he's fit, like a tumble, is maybe deserving of a chance. So to get a goal, um, I think it, for anything else more than him, it puts him and the Scotland fans' minds at ease of McGinn's is one of our better players and he, he needs to start uh, in the fixtures if he want to get, well, whatever, how many wins. I say just get nine points in September and take up everything else out of the equation. Well, that's... That's all the nice fluffy stuff out of the way, guys. Let's get into the nitty-gritty of what people are really tuning in for. What are we going to do about this system or three at the back and who plays there? That is what my Twitter mentions were full of when I put the call out for questions. Last night, it was Hendry on the left, Hanley in the middle and McTominay on the right. Quite conceivably, you could have uh, an entirely different back three that is stronger you could have Tierney on the left, McKenna in the middle, Suter on the right, or Cooper in the middle instead of McKenna, if you fancy. Who knows, there's variables there, Rory, but they were shaky. They, they were they were shaky last night. Armenia cut through Scotland at least three, maybe four times on top of the one that they actually finished off. And if they'd had their shooting boots on or a bit more composure in the final third, we could have found ourselves in serious trouble. Yeah, and that's not a potent front line that was causing us a fair degree of problems. Um, the the number eleven Bishachin, um, no, he wasn't Barsegian. Um, he he gave us a lot of problems just with a bit of pace and a bit of power. Um, and I'm I'm not convinced with it when Tierney's not there, and I think that seems to be what. What everyone says, the reason that we went to this system was to make sure that we, we could we actually found a solution to getting to solving the, the Robertson Tierney issue of getting them both in the team. And thankfully Tierney's playing a similar position with Arsenal when he's fit and thriving. And that's our it's our best attacking outlet. When Tierney's there, not there, uh, yeah, I, I think I think you can you can go with it. Um but I think we played three different back threes over the three games which I don't know what that suggests whether it's horses for courses or Steve Clark's still not quite sure on, on the personnel that go into there but so I, I think they maybe need to find other ways to play if things aren't working whether they can change the system I think they've got the personnel there to do it because Scott McTominay becomes that you know, either the right-hand side of the back three or the central midfielder. And I think they had opportunities 
to maybe try that out a little bit in, in those games. I thought they were going to at halftime in Dublin. Uh, and they were they were they weren't working in different ways. Dublin, I felt that they were getting outnumbered in the middle of the park, and the back three was was getting trouble, uh, shall we say, uh, from the Armenia front line uh, last night. So I think there were opportunities there maybe to mix it up and try something different. Um, the the issue probably is comes further forward if you're if you're looking to change it there because we don't really have width in the in the forward line. Um, not, not in the squad in Rory, but at our disposal no. we do. Yeah, we do, but but they haven't been selected in the squad uh of late. So that maybe limited what we wanted to do with that. Um so I I think I think it's useful to have other ways that you can approach games Um, because it looked like if you take the Ukraine game if we go all the way back to that they looked like they were a team absolutely primed for how we were going to play and they and Ireland probably the same given the way that they they swamped the middle of the park they had a blueprint so yeah and and I think I think when when that becomes that obvious then you need to change something to put them off their game a little bit, the game that they prepared for, and then suddenly they go, oh, it's not a back three today, or 20 minutes in, it's not a back three now, we need to do something different, and they have to then become the ones that are reactive. Well, I think that there was a good point made in the Twitter mentions, um, saying no, Clark got a lot of credit. He wasn't the first one to think of the 3-5-2. Um, I know that McLeish did it, and it didn't really work out. But, McCl- uh, but Clark brought it back and made it work. It was looking good with Tierney and Robertson on that left side, and he was given credit for that, for him not to have prepared or found a way to play without Tierney. We have to go to the opposite end of the spectrum. Surely there's no defence for that, Rory. The fact that we have got no positive way, really, of playing without Keen Tierney and the team. We have looked ropey and shaky in these games without him. In fact, going back to the Czech Republic last summer, we have looked ropey without Keen Tierney in this setup. Why is it persisted with? Uh, I mean it's a it's a good question. Um I, I don't I don't necessarily know the answer to it because because I, I mean I'm making the case that that you should you should change it if it's not working. And we've definitely had times in in these games, and as you say, you go back to the Czech game uh, last summer, when without Tierney, it it can sometimes struggle to struggle to work. Or you can certainly see that problems are emerging, and and maybe something needs to be done about it in game. You, you know, they probably prepare each game. With specifics in mind, but tend to tend to start with that three at the back uh, in every game. If you can go in game to four two three one, or well, it's probably more likely a four three two one uh, by moving McTominay forward. Then, then you know that that can be a good option. Alan, does this tickle your fancy at all? With a, a mention in the in Twitter saying, "What about McTominay?" in the middle of the three with two defenders either side. 
and McTominay is used to bring the ball forward, kind of like John Lundstrom did for Rangers uh, on various examples this season during their run to the Europa League final. So I suppose you would have two more solid options or allegedly solid options either side of someone that carries the ball through the middle rather than on the inside left and right channel. Yeah, um, I mean, I think what's very clear is that a job that McTominay I should, sorry, I, sh- I should I should specify sorry that's without Tierney in the team. Yeah, no, of course. Um, yeah, I think going on the basis that everybody everybody who's watching Scotland knows that we need a plan B. I mean, the only the only feasible reason I can see for not having a plan B is that Clark in Clark's mind we're going to get a run to the Euro twenty four final, and in the final we will switch to a back four and completely throw off whoever we're playing because <laughs> there's no there's no there's no feasible reason why he's not gone to it before. Um, but like we're saying, in terms of in terms of that option, McTominay, although although there's certain criticisms you can give to his game, he has tried to drive out the back, um, and it is his defensive side that has let him down. So having him in a position that's less vulnerable but capable to make that impact and bring the ball out, that's that's something that I mean it could work, and and that's something that Clark will reflect on. I think he said in his post match um, interview. He gave, he gave much more of an interview uh, than after the Ireland game. Um, <laughs> and he said um, he's going to reflect all summer and he's going to mope all summer because that's what he does. And uh, he's going to have a look at what went wrong. Um, I just hope that when he is moping that he doesn't look at it and say, oh, we've lost Tierney. Um, because we've got a good enough squad. There's, there's no doubt about it. We have a good enough squad playing at a high enough level that we should be capable of putting a team out like beats Ireland and even com- like competes against Ukraine without Tierney, no problem. Um, yeah, there's no fe- no feasible reason for it. But I think he just has to he just has to look at it. He's got at, at his disposal as well. I think you've got players. You don't you don't need to play McTominay. I think there is a lot of fatigue there, um, and obviously we've all said it. I think some people said it before the start of these fixtures. Four matches, potentially five, we're going to suffer, and there's going to be a drop off. And having the experience of qualifying for the Euros in 2020 and seeing the drop-off in those two games afterwards, should we have expected it after? I mean, I think the problem was because we lost against Ukraine and it was deemed to be an unsatisfactory unsatisfactory performance, we all expected this lift, but again, it's still an emotional drain on the team. Um, so, yeah, I hope, I, hope, I hope he comes back in September. I hope Tierney's fit, first of all, but I hope he considers other options there, um, like we're talking about, whether it's four at the back or moving McTominay in a sort of safer position to play the ball out. But, yeah. See that issue with um, with uh, put, putting McTominay in the middle? This, I mean, you've already pointed out that sort of John Lundstrom option, and Rangers did it numerous times in that Europa League run. And I think at, at the beginning, they were dropping back into the middle, and most teams now, in the main, I say most, will play with one centre forward and they might have runners around them. And that means then that they can go and pin themselves on on McTominay, the central defender, who's maybe not quite as comfortable with that, you know, with being a centre-back. So when it comes to actually defending, they're the main defensive unit that's going man-to-man with the centre forward. Lundstrom got spun in Leipzig by Nkunku when he was playing in the middle. And after that, Goldson, stuck, Goldson went into the middle and 
and Lundstrom went out to the right hand side. So I, I, I'd be I get what you're where you're coming from because it seems like that's maybe the obvious ball for when you're in possession. So you know maybe maybe tweak it that way that that when you're bringing it out, he's the middle one. But defensively, I think it it would lead to possibly a vulnerability in the in the back three. Okay. Well, speaking of vulnerability, when Grant Hanley was brought back into the Scotland squad at the start of last year, he surprised a few people. He was remembered as a cumbersome, lousy centre-half, but very quickly stamped himself as the first choice in the middle of the three for Steve Clark, and he started his renaissance well. And he was... In the Euros team, we were gutted when he went off injured against Croatia. I'm pretty sure that me and all my mates watching it thought, oh my God, Grant Hanley's off injured. What are we going to do? Like That is literally the impact that he had on the team at that point. But I'm afraid to say that over the last few weeks, he has turned in performances of the Grant Hanley of five or six years ago that built this uh, reputation that he had of unreliability and danger. And it was disappointing to see Rory. I mean, he was... I know McTominay got a hard time on Premier from uh, Hutton and Michael, but I think that Hanley out on that wing, going to get the ball, just deal with it. Just deal with the ball. And then that we don't ever have to concern ourselves with McTominay stopping the cross four or five seconds later. So... I don't know why this has happened to Grant Hanley. Do you think club form has anything to do with it? Do you think he was just playing particularly above himself last year, coming back into the Scotland squad? Is there anything you can put your finger on? And is it now the right time maybe to play somebody else in the middle of a three-man defence, if that's what Clark is going to persist with? Well, I mean, I think uh, I think last night was tougher for him because he was playing out on the left-hand side. And, and as you mentioned, with the goal... Do you know what he actually with with the goalie gets into a good position, and I don't know if it's whether just being in an unfamiliar uh, place on the pitch that that led to the mistake, and maybe just taking the the safe option of of knocking it straight out of play because he, he actually he got there ahead of the man, and then he almost gets it was almost like he he got his legs tangled or his studs caught or something like that. He got a barge in the back, which to me it wasn't a foul. Um, you maybe see them, but to me it was it was play on. Um, so he's definitely more comfortable in the middle. Um, Dublin maybe wasn't wasn't the finest showing, but I th- I definitely think that uh, he's a he's a player that that plays a big part in this squad but you're right in that you know maybe it's time to give somebody else a shot and not and not to cast Grant Hanley aside in the slightest but we have good options in every position pretty much at least two so some positions we've got three if you take the wing backs there are three options in in each of those roles uh, that are all very good and and I think it's just is finding that right combination for the for the back three. If that's the way that we go, then it's finding the combination and letting those players have a run of games that 
that makes sure that that, that becomes a, a solid aspect of, of the way that we play. Now, guys, Clark's changes or lack of them uh, in-game had been pilloried, really, um, over the last few games. People wanting to see fresher players introduced at earlier stages of games, whether things are going well or not. Now, last night, he did give a few opportunities to some fringe players for longer than seven or eight minutes. He brought on David Turnbull, Lewis Ferguson and Jacob Brown for at least about 20 minutes each, I would say, maybe longer for a few of them, and also gave a debut to Alan Campbell, which was good to see, I think, deserved after a strong season down for Luton Town. Alan, with the game done and dusted, playing against 10 men, it would eventually become nine. It was good that these guys managed to get some uh, more considerable game time in a Scotland shirt, but is there, did, did we learn anything about, about any of them uh, last night, really, when they came on? I think we learned that Alan Campbell was going to get a few Scotland goals. Um, <laughs> he, he should have had one. He should have had one. I, I, I on the commentator, I think, uh, I think you guys were talking about how it was actually it was a good cutback from Armstrong, but I, I didn't know if it was a bit behind him. Um, I think that's that, what Ali said. I think it, I think he said it was just a bit yes, behind him. I think I don't know. I I, I forget all sorts that go I'll on. I'll tell you what I did remember <laughs> just before before I go back on this. Um, my, another one of my favourite moments was when um, you were given a fantastic geography lesson. And Shea Adams decided at that moment to do like the best hold up play I've ever seen in a Scotland shirt, <laughs> like taking on about three or four Armenia players, like scooting up the park, like, t- taking fouls, uh, and then keeping hold of the ball after everything. Uh, and I was trying to listen to the countries that were bought in Armenia. And <laughs> well, that, that's <laughs> the thing. Really... I never saw that because Ali went straight back to it. He didn't. He didn't react, or he said something about I enjoyed the geography lesson, but and he mentioned the hold up play, and I was like, because I was I was looking at the map. <laughs> <laughs> with all the countries, so I never, I never saw that. Oh, you need to watch it back. It's fantastic. Greg, 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 Greg Taylor plays him in, and he just, I, I think it goes back to your earlier comment about how much Adam gives to the team. But I mean, Adam's a player who we know what he's going to give to the team. And to be honest, he, he could have taken him off after he scored his goal and give somebody an extra ten minutes um, rather than wait that extra ten minutes. Um, I think what we've seen is that he's he's a fan of Brown. Uh, Brown had Brown's only been given sort of 45, 50 minutes of game time this window um, but he's bringing him on as a like-for-like replacement for Adams and we know how much he likes Adams so I think if Adams was ever to get injured we would see much, much more of Brown just because of that work rate he gives you um, I mean, um, I think when it comes to September I don't <laughs> if everyone's fit we're probably going to see the exact same lineup uh, as we saw. I hope well, the lineup I want to see is the lineup we had against Denmark at home, um, because I think by all accounts everyone says that's the most complete Scotland performance they've ever seen in terms of defensive solidity, like fluid passing and great goals, uh, one set piece and one from open play. So um, that's what we're hoping for. But um, I don't see much changing. I'm just hoping. I think it'll come in if it come down to form ultimately because we'll, we'll be a couple of months into the season by the September fixtures Let's go to the September fixtures then and in case anyone needs reminding as to why the Nations League are not glorified friendlies there is not only a playoff up for grabs here but also the opportunity to lock ourselves into the second pot for the Euro 2024 qualifying campaign so in League A the 10 best nations so first and second in each group and then the two best third place finishers will all be in pot one the remaining six in League A will go into Pot 2. And then the four group winners from League B, which is where we're in, will also be 
pot two. Now, there should be a space opened up by Germany, um, who are the hosts, but, you know, we'd like to get there um, without having to worry about that, just in case they have a shocker. Um, so it's, uh, it's important, and we do have it in our hands, which I think has already been, been said by you, Alan. So let's look ahead to the September fixtures. We have Ukraine at home first, then we have Republic of Ireland at home, and then we go to play Ukraine, most likely in Poland. So five points could be enough for us to reach the second, uh, well, the playoff and the second seeding pot. Only if those five points are amalgamated from four of them coming against Ukraine, because it's a head-to-head record that counts. If we draw twice against Ukraine, their other game is against Armenia, which they are very likely to win, then they would still finish above us. If we beat them at Hamden and then draw with the Republic of Ireland at Hamden, we can then draw against Ukraine and we can go through. So it's not out with the realms of possibility, Rory. It's a task because I think Ukraine proved that they're a better team than us. So for us to take four points from them over two games is, is going to be difficult. But the situation is certainly rosier than it was pre-game last night and post-match after Dublin at the weekend. Yeah, oh, definitely. Uh, and I think also the Republic of Ireland going to Poland and get, and getting something, excuse me, <clears throat> uh, after being really poor against Ukraine and Dublin uh, just shows that maybe, you know, Ukraine are not as great as maybe they could be or maybe we made them look we made them look yeah, yeah and that and that was why I, I think we made them look probably a better team uh, than they are I, I, I think that these three teams uh, you, you, you need to probably take Armenia out of it they got their big result against um, Republic of Ireland their next games against Ukraine in Yerevan and they're, they're going to barely have anyone available. They're all suspended. So <laughs> Ukraine will rest players for that game. They, I think Ukraine will play the same team home and away against us, and they'll rest as they did with, uh, with Ireland. They made eight changes. So I think that you'll almost see two teams from them between the games. They know that it comes down to the head-to-head with us. We've obviously got a much tougher game in the middle of the, of the two Ukraine games, which makes things tougher, but it can also be a great driver of momentum. I mean, that if you think back to that Ireland game at Celtic Park uh, all those years ago, was I was one of the most phenomenal nights as a Scotland fan. And I think if you know we can generate that kind of an atmosphere, that kind of a performance, um, which we were we were so much better than them that night, and they almost equalised in the last minute. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's look. It all comes down to the start. So you've got. I think we need to win the first one against Ukraine, and then and then try and take it from there. But I think having the first two at home is massive, and then and then hopefully you get the job done, and and you go with something to to fight for, not needing necessarily to you know chase a win away to Ukraine. It's it's in our hands, Alan. It's it's also in Ukraine's hands. To be fair, we're just kind of having this awkward bit in the middle here about who goes and grasps it. Is your glass half full or half empty approaching this? 
Um, it's, it's half full because I, I believe that we're a much better team than we've shown in this window. I think there's no doubt about that. And if we can come back, I think Tierney is incredibly important to us. But if you look at players like McGinn, like if Adams can come into the season and have a couple of goals, if um, Patterson gets a run in the Everton team, we're going to be a different team. We're going to be a much more informed team. And I think a lot of us have said that that's been one of the issues this, the, this window. Um, but like Rory said, I think momentum is really important. We've obviously won there, which is important. Um, I remember the feeling after the Israel game that a playoff slot was in our hands. And we went in that run after the Israel game, obviously got the last minute winner against the Faroe Islands, beat Moldova, then beat Denmark to secure seeding. Um, that was all about momentum. And I believe that obviously we have to get a result because the, the, the first game's winner takes all, essentially. Well, I know, I know there's, if we can get one point, go away and beat them. But I think realistically, we need to beat Ukraine at Hamden. Um, if we beat Ukraine at Hamden, Ukraine are worried. And then, then we go across there and, it's, and then obviously we've got Ireland and I, I do think we've got enough to beat Ireland at Hamden. Um, but yeah, I think we have to go in to the first game with the strongest possible team and just beat Ukraine at Hamden. And then that, the momentum will come from that because that excites us, that excites the fans. Everyone will get behind the team and then we see where it takes us. Just to, to put it into context, as it stands at the moment, a lot will change in the Nations League games in September. But if the Nations League was to end right now, Scotland would be a pot three team for the Euro 2024 qualifiers. And in pot two, you would have France, Czech Republic, Switzerland, England, Poland and Wales from group eh, from League A. Straight away, six teams that I'm not interested in Scotland being drawn with. And then from League B joining them would be Norway, Bosnia, Israel and Ukraine from our group. So eh, from our league. So it shows that with Bosnia, especially in Israel, can you imagine Israel in pot two? I mean, there's we'll an opportunity here We'd end up drawing Austria and Israel. Sorry? We'd end up drawing Austria and Israel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, that'd be okay. We could also end up with Spain and France. So, look, it's uh, it's not a scenario, I think, that we we want to find ourselves in, unless there is a very kind draw for us such as, as that. I mean, we were pretty fortunate with the last draw, so um, I can't see us getting two in a row. Um, but, yeah, it's... Uh, it's a massive consequence. That's not just the, not just securing the playoff, but getting in pot two and trying to negate the need to even use that playoff. To be honest, because look, it was great to qualify for the Euros um, by beating Serbia on penalties, but imagine how good it would be to do it without the need for resting on that playoff to actually navigate a campaign successfully and finish in the top two. It would be sensational. Um, there's one more mention that I want to come to just before we finish off, and it is if everyone's fit. Um, come September, do we think we know what the best Scotland team is? Um, of course, form at club level can be taken into account there, but um, provided that we have all our options available to us, which happens on a rare, rare occasion, do we think it would be Craig Gordon in goals still and at wing-back Nathan Patterson and then Andy Robertson on the left? Yep. Yeah, yeah, I think ideally, but I think... Uh... I think on the right-hand side, that'll come down to whether Patterson's getting game time. And then Ralston breathing down, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, OK. Yeah, because I think Ralston did well over these these uh, this group of games. OK. In the middle, do we have any advance on Suter at right-centre-half and Tierney at left-centre-half? Um, and then in the middle, Hanley or McKenna? I, I can't really decide. What do you guys think? 
I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fan <laughs> of Cooper. I, I think you're gonna, if you're going to have someone sitting back, especially if you're if you've got Suter and Tierney, who Suter's a great ball player. He's he's going to get out there and sort of um, replicate what Tommy would do. I mean, all, we all know what Tierney could do. Um, Cooper doesn't do that as much, and I think that's why he suffered at left centre back. But what he is is a solid centre back, um, and he's a captain. And uh, and how well he played for us um, in the Denmark game, I think I'd have I'd have Cooper there. Cooper for you, Rory, in the middle. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think touching on the other two, it'll be interesting to see how Suter uh, fares when he moves to Rangers. Um, the middle one's the, the big one. I, I, for me, it'll be Tierney and Suter as the, the two at the side. Uh, in the middle, so you, I've not seen McKenna in there too often. Um, yeah. And then the Han- Hanley's sort of yeah, yeah. Hanley's been the one that's that's sort of taken over that role, and then you've got the option of Cooper as well. Uh, and I mean, we, I've, I've been saying throughout this podcast, you know, we all it would be lovely to have three as a set and to build on that and get partnerships. But then I'm just being as indecisive <laughs> because <Yeah. laughs> because I don't know who I don't know who who I would pick as as the middle one. Yeah, it's, it's up for grabs anyway, I think. Um, we've not even mentioned Jack Hendry, um, and he's been a pretty uh, regular part of not just the squad, but the starting 11 over over the last few weeks. Um, into the middle, do Gilmore and McGregor have an unbreakable bond there, or should one of them feel threatened by Ryan Jack? Kenny McLean's normally in the squad. Um, I think it's too early for Campbell and Ferguson to stake a claim. Alan? I'd, at the moment, I don't think they have to worry. I think it's going to be key for Gilmore is, I think we saw he, he signed his extension at Chelsea. Um, if he is at Chelsea, that he's getting minutes. Uh, if he isn't, whoever he's on loan with, he's got a better loan spell than he does than he did against Norwich. Because um, for Gilmore, he's going to get starts for Scotland. He just needs confidence. Um, so I think the combination between those two, uh, in Clark's mind, and I guess in a lot of our minds as well, is it's... It, it shows they fit with the style of football that we want to see Scotland play. And so I'm happy with those two. Gilmore and McGregor, Rory? Yeah, like it. I think they complement each other really well. They're both uh, really, really gifted technical players. I like having them in the middle. Um, As we've discussed, uh, I think sometimes if they're getting overrun, we need the option of someone else in there uh, to add to what they already have, which uh, I think we missed Ryan Jack, particularly in the Ukraine game. Uh, so hopefully he's back fit uh, and becomes another option in there, um, be it to replace one if it's required or to switch up the system and move in, which also McTominay uh, can do to move into the midfield. Yeah. So um, I, think, I think that's... There's four really good options in there. Uh, but as we suspect, he won't change the system for now. Um, so stick with with what that is at the moment. And for me, yeah, Gilmore and, and McGregor. We, we didn't even, or I didn't even proffer McTominay at right centre-back or midfield. Genuinely slipped my mind. I think that maybe tells its own story that for me, he's not a starter 
in the Scotland lineups. It looks like same for you guys in your ideal eleven. He's on the bench. Yeah, I, w- I would agree with that. I think um, he's obviously a leader. He's someone that Clark likes in the squad, hence why he keeps playing him. Um, I just think that there is a certain point where you have to look at a player and just say, perhaps he, you need to change his role slightly with the squad. And at the moment, um, there's other players who can perform at a better level than him in, in the positions that he's been forced to play in. Um, so at the moment, I, I think he isn't a starter and he shouldn't be. Look, what I would say um, is that if, if, you, if we're considering him as a mid- midfielder, which I think that he is, I think that's where I would prefer to use him. Uh, he's the only one out of those players that we've been talking about that's got a physical presence. He's, he, can, he can break things up, he can win headers. He's a big, strong, fit boy. And that's something that we don't particularly have in any of the, the positions out with the back three. Yeah, it's, a, it's actually a very fair and valid point that I hadn't considered. We are quite lightweight, and if we're looking at Ryan Jack to be the, the destroyer or the anchor in midfield, yeah, he's good at it, but I don't think he is the most physically imposing opponent anyway for um, an attacking midfielder to have to put up with. But it's, uh, it's going to be interesting to see if Clark does decide to prioritise Suter at right centre-half and then maybe start to think of McTominay more as a midfielder again, I mean, because that's been 18 months, two years now, just about since McTominay was moved to centre-half and, and that was that was the end of it, really. He's, he's very rarely played midfield for Scotland since. Um, in front of McGregor and Gilmore then, in our minds, do we have Shea Adams supported by two attacking midfielders or Shea Adams with another striker supported by John McGinn? Come to you, Rory. I think the best, the best way to get our best players in the team is to play with the two behind one rather than the one behind two which we started with um, against Ukraine which it didn't work we chucked it long to Dykes way too often he, do you know what he won every header yeah. every header that went up to me won it but it, it didn't work it wasn't the way that we wanted to play the game and that's not to rule out Lyndon Dykes at all he can he can be the one, but I think Adams has has probably got more attributes at the moment to play that role. And also, I think you have to consider that the the two behind it's up to I think McGinn's a, a stick on. You know, he plays. The other one is Christie or Armstrong. But then you've got Turnbull will will likely put his name in the hat. I think I think David Turnbull got nine goals last season and he was out for you know, four four months maybe even five months uh, so his first half of the season take that Jacob eight Brown. goals yeah yeah absolutely um, so if, you, if you've got players like that that are putting more pressure on just two positions I, I think you've got to get more of your, your top players in whereas I think Dykes might now become a, a one or the other with Adams, do, do we think that in September, if he's not, if he's going to stick with this system, Clark, that he should include a winger or two, just in case he needs to divert to Plan B? I suppose the standout candidates would be, well, if he can resolve whatever the situation demands, Ryan Fraser, because 
I think ordinarily he would be in the squad regardless of the system or not. James Forrest was left out this time. If Scott Drake can start the season well for Rangers, maybe that's another option. Um, Barry Mackay, I know he's been kind of a floating attacking player for Hearts, but he's comfortable on the wing. Is there anyone out there that you feel should be in the squad as a viable alternative to the system, Alan, if he needs to go wide? Um, I think I think the key point you said there is if you've got a fit and performing Ryan Fraser, he's tried and trusted, um, and sorry, tried and tested, and he, he, Clark knows exactly what he can get from the offers or something different, and he can fill a number of roles. However, next season we benefit that Christie uh, obviously plays a slightly different role at, at Bournemouth, but one of his teammates, uh, Sariki Dembele, who's from Girvan, um he's going to be playing, potentially playing week in, week out Premier League football next season. Um, now, what Clark has shown that if you are performing at a top level, much against what people used to believe uh, is sort of a dinosaur, he will throw you in there. And I think it was key in showing he threw Hickey in at right back, a right wing back, um, in a playoff game, despite having only come on for a few minutes in either of the, um, the friendlies in March. So I think if someone hits the ground running, and they offer something different. And it could be right um, if Wright performs at Rangers and Rangers are in the Europa League group stage or qualify for the Champions League, then he's got to be in there. Um, so again, it's going to be a bit form. And um, I think what everybody's aware of is that we need something else. And if you're a player who thinks they can offer that, show us that pre-season. Show us that and as soon as the season starts, hit the ground running and get yourself into that Scotland squad. Rory, sacrifice a goalkeeper for a winger at least. Yeah, yeah, I think I think why not? Um, I mean, goalkeepers are another position where we probably need to get some minutes and caps into some players. I don't think this is the time to do it, but um, there probably have been opportunities. The March friendlies, maybe, if like to have seen whether it's Liam Kelly uh, or Xander Clark, you know, get get those chances. Robbie McCrory, we're, we've not we we have depth there, but we don't really know if any of them can perform at international level. Craig Gordon's not been going to be around forever. We've lost arms. Uh, we've lost Marshall. We've lost McGregor in recent years. So you know it's, it, that is an area. Um, but yeah, yeah, I would, I would have, yeah, I'd, I'd have at least two wingers in the squad. I know Christie can go out there. Armstrong can kind of play out there. But I think you take out most of their effectiveness. Um, so I wouldn't necessarily want them to start, but. Yeah, you've listed all those players. They're all good options. And while they may not fit into the plan A, then they become prominent players if you go to a plan B. Yeah, well, I think what we'll do um, on the Hand and podcast towards the end of the window is assess where each player will be starting the season because there might be a few more moves. There's already a few to look forward to with Christian. Dembele, as you say, Alan, moving up to the English uh, Premier League. You've got Suter heading to Rangers. They could be a Champions League football team next season as well. So we'll keep an eye on it all and we'll do a review towards the end of the window. But for now, that'll do us. It's been a busy few weeks for the Hamden North. Thanks to everyone who's stuck with us along the way. Mostly lows, but a few highs as well. Good to end on one of them. A 4-1 victory against Armenia. And join us again over the summer and towards the internationals in autumn where we'll see if Scotland can go and get the points required to finish top of the group and get the playoff and a second seed for the European qualifiers.
Podcast Network.